Hello, and welcome to Build Momentum, where we make PR easy for education organizations. This podcast was created to help education nonprofits, startups, research institutes, and schools learn how to develop simple, replicable PR strategies and how to execute on those strategies. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent the past 15 years working in PR where I've been able to understand what works and what doesn't when it comes to landing results that make an impact. Be sure to grab my free guide with three quick and surprisingly simple strategies to get media coverage for your organization. You can get your hands on the guide at mediatips.swpr-group.com. That's mediatips.swpr-group.com. I'm so excited to continue with our new series on bringing the entrepreneurial mindset to education. People don't often think that entrepreneurs and educators have much in common, but there is significant research and data on why having an entrepreneurial mindset in education can impact teaching, learning, and student outcomes, as well as growing your brand and elevating your profile. So let's dive into the show today. On today's episode, we have an opportunity to talk with Liza Herzog, who leads academic research and assessment at the Close School of Entrepreneurship at Drexel University. She spent the past two decades in education, including seven years in higher ed as an administrator and as a faculty member, and a dozen years in K-12 education, research, evaluation, and policy. She teaches within Drexel's School of Education and at ENDS Graduate School of Education, teaching education entrepreneurship. Before working in education, she practiced law in Philadelphia and in Washington, D.C. Liza, we're so thrilled to have you on the show today. Clearly, your vast experience in education entrepreneurship provides a very unique perspective to our series. Would you share your story about what initially inspired you to pursue entrepreneurial education and essentially what sent you down this path? Sure. And thanks so much for having me. I am thrilled to be with you today. So what sent me down this path? Well. I'd been a researcher at a local ed agency, or, or LEA for short. These are local nonprofits, typically called ed funds, that exist in every city, most cities, about 90 throughout the country. And they exist really to deepen the capacity of districts to do their work around big educational challenges, teacher professional development, post-secondary success. And they really serve as backbone organizations with partners like universities and other service organizations like communities and schools and City Year, which some of your listeners, I'm sure, have heard Mm -hmm. about. They do that to kind of activate individual group and whole school supports for middle grade students. We did at the Ed Fund that led to what I call school and district level practice change and eventually to policy shifts all of which felt very entrepreneurial to me, none of which on the face of it, people think of as, quote, education entrepreneurship. So I feel like the journey began there when I started sort of trickling the research into both practice, process, policy. And I would also trigger the journey was when I was asked to teach pre-service teachers in the School of Ed at Drexel back in 2010. So all of what I just mentioned was kind of percolating between in the early aughts, you know, in the 0304 through 2010, started teaching at Drexel. That kind of continued my path down the entrepreneurial education journey. And then in 2014, was asked by Penn GSE to develop and teach a course for the Master's in Education Entrepreneurship, which is the first in the country and now admitting its eighth cohort. 
I can go on and tell you a few more, one more minute about my entrepreneurial journey, which is in 2015, I left the Ed Fund to go to the University of the Arts, which is here in Philadelphia, to design master's programs, another entrepreneurial pursuit in education program design and in education technology for what's called in-service teachers. So these are teachers of all experience levels who are already in the classroom and to run what is still called and has been in existence for several decades, the Professional Institute for Educators for Art Teachers. Also entrepreneurial. So we were changing structures, changing kind of curriculum design, hiring faculty, figuring out different teaching modalities. So felt very entrepreneurial to me. All while still teaching at Drexel and Penn GSE, I noticed a position come up at the Close School of Entrepreneurship at Drexel University, which by the way, if your listeners don't know, is the first independent school of entrepreneurship in the country and now the first ever school of entrepreneurship accredited by AACSB, which is the Association to Advance Collegiate Schools of Business. As you notice, we're so unique that there's no accrediting body and we've come under a school of business for now. But that is what landed me in this spot, which and I've been at the post school for about almost three years. That's quite a fascinating journey. I feel like you've lived a few different lives throughout your career. (laughs) That's amazing, Liza. I'm really fascinated how you transitioned from a lawyer to an educator. Would you tell us just briefly how that story came about too? I will very briefly. It is a brief story. So I feel like I always knew that I wanted to know how to do kind of the foundational, what is considered to be law-like, like negotiating contracts. But never was I interested in being a lifer lawyer. So Really, I was a transactional lawyer in a healthcare practice, not a litigator. So it was sort of less inspirational to me long-term. I knew that kind of the bones of the law and the mechanics of the law would kind of serve me in life, but always knew and where my heart was, was in education. So I practiced for about five years and I still keep my law license active, but I'm no longer actively practicing. Beautiful. I'm sure it provides some insight for what you're doing now for your students. It does. We actually do what's called these kind of very practical lunch and learns in our incubator, which is called the Biota Institute within Close. And I mentioned that because we have legal and financial and particularly around employment law and tax issues for early stage entrepreneurship that are really, I'm able to either input around or mentor students. Yeah, I'm sure that's so helpful. Fantastic. We're so glad to have you. I love your vast experience that you're able to share with us today. So we've asked each of our experts to weigh in on what they believe it means to have an entrepreneurial mindset. I would love to understand your definition and particularly how it relates to being in education in this sector. Yeah, so it took me back. I took a look at my entrepreneurial mindset profile just to confirm or defy what I thought of myself and self-reported back when I took it, which was a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. It really does parallel what I think it means to have my own entrepreneurial mindset, which is my highest, which I think is true, is independence, which is to me means, and to Eckert, to the developers of the survey means that I love to work with a good deal of independence and not everybody does. We share that in common, Liza. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I always, I kind of move through life thinking most people do, not necessarily the case. Nonconformity, So I am a go my own way kind of person, which to me means 
you know, yes, I like limited structure. I do also enjoy some structure. So I'm kind of this both and need to achieve. And interestingly, not really for myself, but on behalf of others, which is why I've been in social entrepreneurship my whole life. And then not only idea generation, but also execution is where I scored high and believe that I'm good at, and this comes with time and experience and years of doing, you know, how to turn ideas into action. And it's not glamorous. And passion and persistence were up there too. So that's what I would consider if I kind of step back and reflected on my own entrepreneurial mindset, what it means to me. Mm -hmm. We share a lot of the same, I don't know what you call them, attributes, strengths. I think we have very similar strengths. Yeah, it's funny. So the EMP developers call them, which I differ. There are seven skills that are called traits and set skills. Now, when you look at them, they kind of intersect and you feel like, well, let's really define it as a skill. I think I love strengths as a kind of an overarching. Yeah, that's how I look at it. I think it's skills and strengths. So beautiful. So why do you think an entrepreneurial mindset is important for education organizations in particular? My listeners who are nonprofits, ed tech startups, schools, and research institutes, what should they be thinking about when they're incorporating this mindset? And why is that important? Sure. And I speak from experience. So I was with a nonprofit for 12 years. I've now been sort of a, I'm an interim executive director of another one right now that I didn't mention called Land Health Institute. So I've been in some total 15 years in nonprofit world and also worked with dozens and dozens of schools and within research institutes. So this is is perfect. And I would say it goes without saying that an entrepreneurial mindset is essential to today's, what I would call highly disrupted and evolving market pressure. Without it, you really can't respond to adapt, to be nimble, to be socially responsive, to be responsible, equitable, and human-centered. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That would cross all of the cuts that you just mentioned, nonprofits and tech startups, and really go far beyond schools and research institutes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So why do you think that people are often intimidated or have certain biases when they hear the word entrepreneur? And why do you think we should be more open to this concept? So I don't know if I would say that I think people are intimidated or biased. I would say people have a mental model to cite Peter Senge, of what an entrepreneur is, which currently mm-hmm. I think was like a young white male in tech, sneakers, jeans, and a laptop. I mean, and to me, that's an outdated notion, but that was early on. I think the model that people had in mind of, oh, this is kind of what it means to be an entrepreneur, at least in the 2000s, you know, the 21st century. And not only is this not the case, but it's the rare case if you recast your thoughts about what about entrepreneurs as individuals who employ an entrepreneurial mindset, whether or not a business idea is actually launched, forget about the vernacular like pivoting and bootstrapping. And I mean, I feel like entrepreneurs are out there and they're everywhere. They, and without the trappings of kind of this overlay of, oh, are you an entrepreneur? So the word may have come with loaded or early that takes a little bit of undoing mental. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I agree with you. So I know you're training teachers to have an entrepreneurial mindset in your classes. What are the, some of the key practices you're using to help guide them through this process? Yeah. So this one, I would say in a different way. I would not say that I am training teachers to have, but to use their own really entrepreneurial mindsets that 
some of the key processes that we practice and or I use is I offer design space for t- for free service and in-service teachers. So for future teachers and for those who are in the classroom mm-hmm. to, for instance, create their own school as a final project, building on what they've come to believe are, quote, traditional concepts like multi-tiered student supports, like school partnerships, like school improvement planning domains. We reframe metrics. We look at different outcomes. So really, particularly in a course that it happens to be a state-required course, which is kind of funny because you don't think of entrepreneurial launching pads required courses by, you know, the Pennsylvania code for future teachers. But one course is called Organizational Structure of Secondary Schools, which just means how schools work. And we break down those organizational structures that we've come to associate with how schools work. And that is a way of rethinking about your entrepreneurial mindset in the context of teaching. Oh, that's great. And I love that you reframe that for me. I think you're absolutely right. So how do you suggest the listeners who are listening to this podcast apply some of these practices and this reframing within their organizations? I think in four key ways. First is experimentation, which is try doing small things in new ways. You know, even if you have weekly mini experiments, test ideas, document, those small experiments are meaningful. Reflect. We often don't take time to reflect. You know, think about for whom does this, and you name it in parens, practice, process, service, product, work, and how do you know? Mm -hmm. Elaborate. So experiment, reflect, collaborate would be the third. Cannot I have, if there's one thing I have learned over many years, you know, in the world, you cannot do any of it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Just sharing things in low stakes ways, you know, yes, are there solo founders, practitioners, people who do amazing things? Yes. However, holding yourself accountable is key to, you know, those collaborators with you were both holding you accountable and every interaction could lead to another. So collaborate would be third. And the fourth really is passion. You find yourself thinking about your work and how to improve on it. Who are your go-to people and why? And so these four, I think, practices that you can routinely come back to are valuable. That's a great list. And you share those with your class on a regular basis. I wish I could say I did, but I try. I do. I do. (laughs) I try to, and I hope to, and I remind myself to, because it is not top of mind, but I've tried. If you do, it's like muscle memory, you know, you Mm -hmm. practice. Yeah. Sounds like those are your pillars. I'm going to include those in the show notes too, just for people to reference. Those are great. So... Liza, what knowledge would you say you've gained over time that you truly believe could benefit any individual organization beyond those four pillars? Or is that what you would share if you had to share? This is a broad, broad question. And I would say, it's funny. So when you say knowledge you have gained, and then I thought, oh, the half-life of anything I've gained is about 0.7 seconds. But that said, (laughs) sits somewhere and it is retrievable. My advice would be wonder, 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 and never put out that spark because that wonder takes you to places that you either have gone and see in new ways or can see newly. And that to me is the kind of the but for the wonder, none of the other 
you know, the experimentation, the reflection, the passion, and the collaboration wouldn't happen. Yeah, definitely. What is that quote? Try to be interested, not interesting. That I would take to heart. Yes, definitely. Be interested even in what you imagine you wouldn't more so, honestly. Mm -hmm. Something that you might not on the face of it be drawn to. Right. Exactly. I know. That's so true. Okay. Well, that's good advice. And then do you have any final words of wisdom to share with us that will keep us motivated and inspired as we continue on our journey to bring the entrepreneurial mindset to education? I know that's also a broad question, but <laughs> would love your final thoughts. Two back-to-back heavy lifts. Uh, I know. <laughs> you're asking me to be the closer, right? Which I understand has more than one meaning. And this is the good way to close. On the final leg of that relay, hurriedly, you know, peering over my shoulder. Exactly. So yes, parting words would be these. I don't think of me or a movement to, quote, bring entrepreneurial mindset to education. It's there. And it has been for as long as education has been in existence. But to me, it's more about acknowledging, honoring, rewarding, and intentionally and continuously applying that mindset to your practice from classroom to courtroom to boardroom to Zoom room to, you know, the infinite spaces and places on earth that education happens all day, every day. I hope to be an inspirational and motivational thought. (laughs) You nailed it. I love it. (laughs) That's beautiful. And Liza, where can my listeners learn more about you and where can they find out about you and all of your amazing experiences? If they want to reach out directly, where should they go? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest. And I'm also at the Close School of Entrepreneurship at Drexel University. That would be as easy. So that you can find it close. I think it's close.drexel.edu. And I'm right there in the staff and faculty page. So those two places easily found. Would love to continue the conversation. Perfect. I'll include a link to both. Thank you so much for joining us for this series. I think your attributes and what you bring is such a unique perspective from the education to the entrepreneurship to your previous law experience. You have such a wealth of knowledge. So I know our listeners are going to love it. And I really am grateful for your time today. Thank you so much, Liza. Likewise. Thank you, Sarah. And for all you Build Momentum podcast listeners, thanks so much for tuning in today. And don't forget to grab my free guide, mediatips.swpr-group.com. That's mediatips.swpr-group.com. Thanks so much again, and I will see you next time.